Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. It's been a while, but finally, welcome back to a winning edition of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. The six-game losing streak is over, and we're now officially better than the 2018 Cardinals. To celebrate this rare bit of positivity, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum to break things down. Oh, has it been since October? Has it really been since October since we've been able to talk about a win? I think it has been, yes. I've forgotten what it feels like. <laughs> Six weeks in a row. Well, that's, it's... um. Definitely not the most fun. Yeah, it's definitely been a struggle. Yeah. That being said, you know, the six-game losing streak, we've had a lot of close games in that time, but, you know, and I wish we'd have been able to talk about a win sooner, but, like, here we are, finally surpassed the, the 2018 Cardinals, which I'm very, very happy about. Yeah, officially this time, not just on the technicality of having a tie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, by pure number of wins, we can send that bit of hot garbage to the history books and never talk of it again yeah absolutely the the recent era is officially done we can do better than that we know we can do better than that yeah i'm feeling positive and you know the thing is right is let's keep some perspective here this was still a win against the cleveland browns yeah but they were the preseason super bowl favorites <laughs> they were indeed the preseason super bowl favorites and that's not really turned out to be true for them but they were also coming into the game a seven-win team versus us who had three going into the game. So, you know, you could make the argument that they were a lot better than us so far this season. Yeah, but before we get to that, we've got a bit of news to cover. Oh yeah, that's true. And the first bit of news is Terrell Suggs being released. Yeah, T-Sizzle's out of the valley now. That was, um, the homecoming didn't quite go the way that we were expecting it to, really. Released after, what was that? Is that was that week 13 there? Yeah, and... And really, he only he only performed and played for the first six to eight of those. And then after that, he was really quiet. I mean, he amassed five and a half sacks this season. So it did something, but not not too much. Yeah, but remember, the thing is, is like for the first couple of games in the first, you know, probably, probably six weeks or so, he was keeping pace with uh, Chandler Jones. In fact, I remember when we did our our sort of mid-season chat around week eight, like we were sort of keeping track of some of the predictions we'd made and, and, you know, they were still neck and neck at that point or close enough to neck and neck. So, you know, it's even more disappointing to think that he hasn't had a single sack since then. Came a couple of days after we'd apparently discussed moving him to the defensive line. Yeah, I think, did we talk about that on last week's podcast or is that something I just imagined? I think that came up between the two games that did, so we wouldn't have a chance to talk about that. No, well, I mean, it, it was something that I remember reading about at least and I remember sort of thinking, well, that could be a positive, you know, sort of see him actually come in and get a bit more production and we're struggling in the defensive line a little bit and, and you know, that sort of thing. So that could have been a really good move, but, you know, maybe he wasn't so keen on it. And it also turns out he wanted to go back to Baltimore in the end. Well, yeah, we heard him um, in the middle of the week there just talking about how, in fact, I think he said something along the lines of he wouldn't go anywhere except Baltimore. 
which, you know, obviously given the fact that they're on the trajectory for a Super Bowl right now would be understandable. Um, but interestingly, yeah, claimed off the waivers by Kansas City. Yeah, you can now go bitch with Tyron about how, t- how badly run this franchise is, allegedly. <laughs> I think it would find, they would actually find it almost difficult to have common ground. If you think about the last season that Tyron played, which was in 2016, I want to say. Um, and, and, you know, uh, now they're very different franchises. For sure. But- well, I think we're, you know... I, I don't want to say it's negative news. I want to say it's a shame that Terrell Suggs never really led, you know, lived up to what I think he could have done here, but it is what it is. Whereas actual real positive news, um, Larry Fitzgerald has, has made the NFL um, 100 all-time team, which, you know, as he should really. Yeah, apparently was announced as one of the 24 wide receivers considered, but apparently NFL put the wrong pick on Instagram, which showed him to be one of the final 10 in the position. Yeah, I saw this. It was like they, they'd announced it in, the, in the, the text. They'd said, you know, here's the 24 or whatever. And then they'd put up a picture and it's it's clearly him, you know, in towards the forefront. And I mean, really, did we expect him to not make the top 10 anyway? I mean, we're biased though, aren't we? So what we say, we're just going to say, yeah, anyway. Oh, for sure. But like at the end of the day, you know, there's there's bias and there's not bias. He's had an incredible career and, and like numerically, at least he's got to be in there. Look at all the records he's broken. And all the records where he's second as well. And all the records where he's second and, and he's doing it without cheating as well. So, you know, I, I would genuinely be shocked if he hadn't made that. But still, it's a nice thing to have. And especially after what may very well have been his last home game. Some of the names that didn't make the final 10 were a bit surprising. I didn't see Calvin Johnson's name in that. Yeah, Megatron's an interesting one. Um, you know, whether or not he would have made it. I saw some speculation that people were, were kind of not surprised that he didn't make it. You know, sort of based on the idea that he was like very physically gifted and all this sort of stuff, but never really made the numbers in terms of like a long enough career. Neither did Barry Sanders, but he's in it. That's true. That is true. How How is it um, judged anyway? Do you know? I think it's just NFL decided. It's not fan voted or anything like that. But it's like, do you, is it voted for within the NFL organization or anything like that? Or is it just based on stats and all that sort of stuff? I think it's voted on. It's like a panel, obviously. Interesting. I mean, the thing is, is you've got to make the cut somewhere, but I'm glad Fitz made it. Well, we'll we'll see for sure, but it does look a lot like he's made it. What did actually happen this weekend? With our losing streak being over? Oh, man. Yep. Six game losing streak over now um, with a 38 to 24. Actually, probably the most convincing win of the season over the Browns. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect. Obviously, we gave up 24 points. And a lot of yardage. Especially run yardage. And, you know, we'll get onto that in a minute. But that being said, this is the first time that the Cardinal the first time all season that the Cardinals have had uh, had the lead and been able to hold on to the lead. And not only that, it's the first time that we've seen victory formation come out. Anyways, it was a it was a good solid high score, um, which I think is is really exciting. And you know, in the interest of uh getting them out of the way early and quickly, should we talk about the negatives? Yeah, the first negative I've got down here is Nick Chubb and Co running all over us. Yeah, Nick Chubb obviously, you know, one of the one of the best backs in the league. And I think especially when you've then got Kareem Hunt, who you can bring in every time Nick Chubb doesn't have fresh legs, 
you know, it's it's just relentless, really, as a run game, isn't it? I think that tweet you've turned to more than used Chubb. Um, yeah, they did, I think. But um, really, Chubb was the guy who got those big chunk plays. He was the one who, um, towards the, the second half, you know, the pundits would, couldn't think of anything else to talk about except Nick Chubb. And he got that touchdown, which was pretty impressive. He did. It was a pretty solid touchdown. And, you know, it, it was hard running. But I find it almost hard to be so negative about this, given how well our run game was looking it's true but we still gave up 400 plus yards yeah i think we were actually quite lucky you know you said we gave up 24 points but given the amount of yards that we gave up i think in a lot of ways we were very lucky to only give up 24 points it was interesting to read what vance joseph said after the game as well proclaiming that they knew what cleveland were going to do as an offense but yet they couldn't stop them (laughs) <laughs> yeah no the, i think he said the same thing against the about the rams do you remember at the end of that game and he was like we knew everything they were gonna do and that was in a game that we got absolutely blown out so uh, maybe it's just me saying that but perhaps vance joseph is full of shit. let's put it nicely <laughs> i don't know i i've kind of run out of like patience for him at this point because you know, like that was probably the best defensive performance in ages, but realistically, that was a defensive performance that came from individual performances. That wasn't, you know, necessarily good play calling or anything like that. And, and we'll get on to some specific names, but yeah, uh, you know, 400 plus yards and, and a, honestly, some lucky plays that stopped it being a higher score against us. Another negative I've got down here is Kyle's interception and the dodgy tackle which came afterwards. I was going to say he made up for it with the tackle. That was like, you could see the red mist descend on his face and he like made a solid, uh, it was like shoulder dropping hit. I don't think he even touched his shoulder. I think it was more of his backside. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, like, he came in, he dropped the shoulder and then kind of rolled backwards onto him. But you know, it's it, he, he made the tackle in the end and that's what matters, right? I think it would have gotten a point in fantasy football as well. <laughs> yeah, good point. Well, I mean, one back from the interception, I guess. For sure. Given the way that the rest of this game was going and, and given games when we've seen, you know, more Kyler Murray interceptions, I find it hard to be, again, too negative on this one. Obviously, you know, the more games he has with zero, the better. But that was really not too bad. Yeah, I mean, he had a decent game other than that interception. And the thing is, as well, is like, in terms of the mistakes that we were talking about in the last couple of weeks, and particularly in the Rams game, you know, we were talking about these mistakes where he was sort of regressed back to this point where he wasn't getting rid of the football at the right time and he was making runs when he shouldn't be running and all that sort of stuff. Like, all of his play this week was more on the money. You know, it was like he he made some really smart decisions about when to get rid of the football. He had some fantastic running and he had some brilliant, brilliant pass plays as well. You know, it was like this one interception for me is hardly a thing on that. Seems like we're moving into the positive bit here. I just want to be positive, dude. It's like one of our four wins this season. This one definitely felt, you know, right up there. Yeah, well, another positive from this game was Kenyon Drake. Very four-touchdown game. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big record there. I mean, um, I, I think everyone will have seen the stat by now, but that that's the first time since 1993 that a Cardinals running back has accounted for a four-touchdown game, which is, you know, that's a long, long, long time. I believe six is the franchise record. Uh, six is the franchise. Well, that's, that's a lot in one game, but like four a damn good game and actually you know should we talk about it as well being Kenyon Drake's first win 
Yeah, definitely the Drake curse is over. Yeah. As is the German bird gang curse. <laughs> were some of the German bird gang there last time? They were there again, yeah. They've been there for the last three games. It's impressive. It's, that's commitment right there. Oh, there you go. The German bird gang curse is uh, not a real thing and neither is the Kenyan Drake curse, which is both, uh, both positives. It's just coincidence, isn't it? The stuff I'd like to see at more games, generally. It's no surprise to hear that you won our player of the game, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that this this week there was a lot more choice in the player of the game, Paul. Yeah, but he still won with 80% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely ran away with it, but I think as well that there's actually more people who would have been deserving of it in the meantime, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was Patrick Peterson. I also put Kyler Murray there, as always. You've said here that you, you'd like actually considered not even putting up the poll right because you just knew it was it was a foregone conclusion right foregone because he got four touchdowns <laughs> oh man what a game from Kenyon drake what a great pickup like from from you know a next to nothing trade that we basically took back the the you know gave back the things that we we took for um what's his name you know that guy josh that, that guy from last year, you know, I've already forgotten about it, that we took for jo- um, for Josh Rook, we gave back, essentially. And what a stunning runner he's turned into, you know. I don't think there's any doubt at this point that he's RB1. But is he the RB1 for, like, next year onwards? That's the question. There's a lot still to be done there, but I've got to say he's definitely impressed this year. I mean, he's definitely getting a lot more of the ball than anyone else. Like, Chase Edmonds is a complete afterthought. David Johnson maybe gets one or two a game. I mean, David Johnson is it's good to to see him, you know, out catching passes because honestly, I think in a lot of ways that's where he really shines is as a pass catching back. And this running back committee, while it's not as good for fantasy, for me, it's I think one of the most, you know, like one of the best possible things for the team because it allows each guy to play to their individual strengths. I mean, as much as we hate him as well, we should probably give some kudos to Patrick Peterson his performance yep uh first time i've seen him play with uh with heart this year really i mean maybe it's with the exception of the giants game when he had his other interception um oh yeah he got an interception this game you know but like actually really really looked like he was trying for the first time and he also scored 90 plus on the pff number generator (laughs) The, the random number generator yeah so that's where he's had a good game by their standards. Here's the thing. He has he had one interception, which is a good measurable. He shut um Odell Beckham Jr. down, who is really one of the best receivers in the league. And he actually had his hands on two more potential um interceptions. There was one out of the the sideline, and that was that one at the back of the end zone where he just was like an inch away from getting two feet down for it. He just couldn't manage it. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, right? Is you know we were we were kind of hating on him before for not playing up to it, and and this is really him playing up to it. But equally, given the size of his paycheck and you know the the ego that he has, this really needs to be the week in week out performance. Absolutely, it get fans off his back. Then. Yeah, I think you know the, if anything, this one game will be a thing to point at when when people say let's trade away Patrick Peterson in the off season. You know, you can at least point to this game and say, like, but look, he, he still has an upside. You know, he still has that chance to be this brilliant, you know, like, lead-leaguing cover corner. 
you know, it, it just depends on, I think, probably what we see in the next two games, how the fan base feels about him. If we continue to see that, maybe not, you know, as high numbers and stuff like that, but if we can continue to see the effort, then I think he'll sway a lot of people back into his court. We'll have to see, won't we? With them both being away as well. Yep, absolutely. And both against, you know, well, one one against a very good quarterback and one against a... Uh, uh. I don't need to decipher which one's which. <laughs> yeah, you can you can choose for your own at home. As we've mentioned before. Another positive is the fact we're on four wins. Officially better than the 20 Arizona Cardinals. We finally consign that shit show to the record books. We have mentioned it before, but I think it does bear repeating because... You know, this is something that you know, like when we were when we were predicting the season, I think we both went for somewhere around the three, four, five win mark. So this is kind of almost on on line with where I expected us to be. But I think the thing is, is that, you know, when you look back at seasons, the first thing you look at is the win loss record. And one of the things that will be hidden about this season in a couple of years is that we'll forget how close a lot of those losses were. And so I think it's good to have just a few more wins in the column just to kind of prove, at least at a customary glance, that we did better with Kyler Murray's first year than we did with Josh Rosen's. We also saw Cleveland being named the worst team of the decade. (laughs) The only team without a winning season from 2009 to 2019. That is pretty grim. And here's the thing, right, is that the Browns in their current um farm have only existed since i think 1993 so that's like getting on towards half of their history they've gone in a winless streak or like a, a winning winning seasonless streak it'd be interesting to see where they go from here because there was those reports out after the game where they're apparently browns players begging for the cardinals to come and get them I mean, that's there's been quite a few Browns players, um, you know, out there talking about you know general teams like please come and take us away and uh, you know get us out of here. And I I don't think that the uh, Freddie Kitchens experiment has left guys there in a particularly good mood, especially given. I mean, the thing for me with the Cleveland team that's there is that they are so stacked on talent. Like, they've got Nick Chubb, who's arguably one of the best running backs in the league. They've got the wide receiver pair of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., who should be tearing the face. They've got um, Baker Mayfield, who we can, we've seen, like, massive upside to, and is another Heisman Trophy winner along the, you know... And they've got a really good offensive line. They've got a really good offensive line. They've got, um, what's his name there? Um, double-barreled tight end... Ricky Seals Jones. Ricky Seals Jones. They got Ricky Seals Jones there. You know, it's like, it's there is a decent amount of talent on that roster, and I'm genuinely surprised that they've done as badly as they have. You do have Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator, though. <laughs> they do have Steve Wilkes. I mean, Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator did all right in Carolina. I suppose he had talent in Carolina, though, didn't he? They did, yeah. And the, the, I mean, the defense isn't too bad either in terms of individual talented players. I mean, for me, it's. This whole thing is a is a coaching issue, but well, we, we're we're not the Cleveland Browns podcast, so I guess we're not uh, that much authority to talk about it. Our final positive from this game was the fact that we won and didn't scupper our twenty twenty draft position. We still sat in six overall. Yeah, that's quite nice because I mean, especially at this point in a in like a a losing season, there's always people who are in the mood to like 
just throw the rest of the season in in you know preparation for getting a better draft spot. But yeah, it's it's nice to have have our cake and eat it too. Should we move on to some fantasy football? Um, yeah, why not? A bit of fantasy. Um, I believe it's uh the the Super Bowl week for the Bird Gang Bowls. Yeah, before the Bird Gang Bowl next week, we've got to decide who represents each league in that with the finals. Yep. So each individual league is currently set. Uh, league One. There's Cliff's Notes versus Kaim at the Wheel. Are we are we cursing people for this or are we like letting it stand? We'll let it go, you know. If they win, they win. Yeah, I think if we let it go, it's the it's the fairer way, right? Exactly. We don't want to show bias. <laughs> exactly. Um, League Two has 176 centimeters of Chinamite versus Stains Cardinals. League Three's Fits and Pieces versus Murray's Mint. While League 4 has the Arizona Celtic uh, versus Easy Peasy, J.R. Sweezy. League 5 is My Team Sugs versus Murray Mints. Fucking Murray Mints everywhere. <laughs> Murray Mints everywhere. I'm not sure if it's the same Murray Mints, possibly, but there's, yeah, there's a few of them. League 6, we have Patrick Peterson's Goodie Bag versus the Air Raid Zona Cardinals. League 7 is Sweezy Does It versus Fits a Kind of Magic. Uh, well, League Eight rounds us out with Murphy's Law versus Kiss from a Rosen, so you know there's there's quite a quite a good um, contingent of of good pun names left over. We've got some ex winners in there as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess once good at fantasy football, always good at fantasy football. But you know, congrats to those guys because you know they've beat out a lot of guys to get to that point, and you know the final winner will this year I think be the you know the top of like nearly a hundred uh individual players right i think it's 80 was it is it 10 per league yeah 10 per league okay yeah so 80 80 players which is pretty solid um you know that's an exciting time so best of best of luck to everyone playing uh in the bird super bowls yeah but the most important game this weekend is the british dynasty gang league final yeah you've come in as quite a, a bit of a, an outsider there haven't you yeah i'm surprised i actually made it considering what I've got left on my team. <laughs> You've got inj- Well, actually, I mean, this is really the time when injuries and benchings really take hold. But, um, yeah, you think you've lost quite a few guys, right? Yeah, definitely the wide, uh, wide receiver. I'll see what I can do this week. But I can make excuses already. <laughs> but, yes, in the final, it will be Murray Mints taking on the Pony Perverts for the inaugural league trophy slash plate. Slash metal slash award thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll just see. We'll see whatever the award ends up being. I I think we've definitely settled on wooden spoon for the last place. But other than that, it could be anything. I guess my my genuine bet is on toilet seat. I would like to see a toilet seat, mostly because I want to see you try and post that across the country. I'm sure it can be done. <laughs> Hermes will take anything. Yeah, definitely. And not deliver it. Yeah, just leave it. Leave it on a in a bin somewhere. Of course. I mean, I think projections slightly favour. Murray Mints, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, these things can change quite significantly, though. You know, it's I think it's always anybody's game. And also had the Navy Monday Night Football with that game. We had a 40-point lead, but my opponent still had Michael Thomas to play, and he managed to get 30-plus points. That's the thing, is, like, with, with someone like Michael Thomas, you never know when they might actually get, like, 40-plus points. It's, it's just possible for them to go off like that. And, you know, he clearly did. He clearly had a great game with 30-plus points. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be letting up either with only a 40-point lead at that point. Well, I mean, it's not much I could have done because all my players had played. Well, all I mean is just uh, sitting there nervously, like, watching the scores come in. 
I did. I ended up being awake at like five o'clock, <laughs> seeing the like last few plays, and thankfully they took him out of the game. Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, it makes sense at that point when you start sort of start thinking about um, who you might want to be resting up and all that sort of stuff. Shall we move on to the game preview? Yeah, penultimate game of the season. Time flies, doesn't it? It's unbelievable. I can't. Yeah, it's um, nine twenty-five p.m. start, uh, which I think is always a good time slot. And uh, Cardinals at Seahawks, a game which we traditionally, under Bruce Arians at least, uh, did quite well in, if not won. But I don't think that'll be the case this I year. I can't imagine it is. The Seahawks are really on a hot streak. 11-3 and three for the season, and they beat us 27-10 earlier in the season. And they've also clinched their playoff spot already. They've They've definitely clinched a spot, right? And it's like, it's now down to how well they play over the last two weeks versus the 49ers to see whether they get first or fifth seed, I think. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so that's, um, you know, that's that's quite a lot uh, on the line, really. I can't imagine that they would be willing to let up on us. I can't see that happening. Although, I mean, what a perfect thing for the Cardinals to play for against long-standing division rival and realistically the biggest rival that we have going in and taking them, you know, taking away that, that nice first week by for them and giving them a playoff, uh, a wild card spot instead. You might prefer that though, you know, not having the week off. Yeah, some some teams do, but um, I think you know it's it's clearly inferior in terms of the standings, and I think that that would be a nice uh, a nice thing to be able to serve them. I mean, they've got a few players playing well this season as well. Russell Wilson, obviously. Yeah, Russell Wilson's been solid all season. I think you know generally it's like. Pete Carroll's approach to football just appears to be working for them extremely well. You know, they've they've won a lot of close games and they've also managed to blow a lot of people out, including us earlier in the season where I think it was, what, 27-10 in Arizona? I wouldn't say that was too much of a blowout. Or is 17 considered a blowout? Because, I mean, it is technically three scores. Yeah, is that not... They, did we not get, like, a very last-minute touchdown against them? I think we might It was a bit of a garbage-time touchdown if i remember rightly that that scoreline realistically was 27 3 and then they kind of you know let up on us for the last couple minutes to allow us to run out the clock oh well we got to score something i suppose yeah at least he didn't shut us out oh yeah definitely i mean and that could have happened as well so as long as they didn't shut us out to you yeah i realistically i think the most we can hope for out of this game is like a solid performance I I cannot see our defense holding up against them. I think that they will score a lot against us. But you know what I'd like to see is like not giving them say, you know, twenty one, twenty eight unanswered points. I think like ideally, if we could answer them, you know, every second time they score or something like that, that's 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 almost like my best outcome for this. Keep it respectable, I suppose. Yeah, you know, just like. Um, give them something to worry about maybe like don't allow them to blow us out in the first half and then spend the whole second half just like playing defensive football because here's the thing as well is like they they've clinched a playoff spot so in a lot of ways they're going to want to rest up guys and and you know keep people away from like heavy football because they want people to stay healthy ready for the postseason should we give some predictions for this one then Strong suspicion that it will be a, a hefty blowout in, in their favour. How to score that, though? I think I want to give them... I'm going to give them 30... 38? Does that work? Hang on. Let me get my maths work. Yeah, yeah 38. 
Um, and then, as I said, like I would like us to be able to answer um, every other time. So, you know, I, I think it, I'd give us, let's say, 21. Yeah, so I think I'll go with a 35-20 win for Seattle. I think that, I mean, so it's both relatively close there. Now, I can't, I can't see it being... I, I, I would love to be able to come back and say that we had a win, but it's just not happening. You know, it's like we had to kind of wait until we were playing the Cleveland Browns at home to be able to get a win, and yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, basically. But that's about it for this week's episode of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. So if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. And buy British Bird Gang merch at britishbirdgang.tmail.com. And maybe my voice will be fixed sometime. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Please donate to um to the Tom's Voice uh, GoFundMe at www.gofundme.com. I'll need it with this government. <laughs> oh, dear. But the less of that. <laughs> We'll move on. So, until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.